morning from Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And uh, the Bible says, What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, the first thing that I want to take a look at with everyone this morning is the response of the people of Israel, because this is too important to just kind of jump over and move past quickly. You see, they responded to God's request by trying to please and satisfy him with sacrifices. And it was really and honestly through this process that they were hoping to satisfy him and that he would, and for lack of better terms, that God would just leave them alone. They really wanted God to leave them alone, and that's what they were hoping for. Here's these sacrifices. Here, you know, it says um, ten, thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of olive oil. God, just please leave us alone. Now, for some context on this, I want to go back one verse further in chapter 6, verse 5, which says, Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed and how Balaam, son of Beor, blessed you instead? And remember your journey from Achaia Grove to Gilgal when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. You see, God continued to be so kind and so gracious to his forgetful people. Does that sound familiar to anyone this morning? Does anyone else ever feel that God has been so kind and gracious to his forgetful people? How many of you would say you are a forgetful person? We're having a little bit of honesty this morning. All right, there we go. Lots of hands. Thank you for being honest. If you did not raise your hand, we're, you're going to teach a class later today about how to not be a forgetful person. So Tom will take care of setting that up. All right. You see, the people of Israel, their short memory and lack of thankfulness is ultimately what condemned them. You see, when people refuse to see how fortunate they are as God's children and begin to take God's gifts for granted... They become what we call self-absorbed because you see those self-absorbed people in their perspective, everything revolves around them. They are the center of attention. Everything centers around everything that they want, that they desire, that they dream. It centers around their priorities, their lives, their wants, their desires. And I want to tell you this this morning, remembering God's past protection will help you see his present provision. Let me say that again. Remembering God's past protection will help you see his present provision. There's an old song by the Christian group 33 Miles that I always just kind of hum and sing in my head that says, what if in the morning when I wake up, even before I fill my coffee cup, I said, thank you. What if I look at the day and the hours ahead and before I move forward, I bowed my head and said, thank you. 
What if I looked at my life a different way, took a little more time to stop and pray? I know it would change all the moments in between. Can you imagine what would happen, what our lives would look like if every single morning when we woke up, before we do a single thing, yes, before you pour that coffee, we thanked God for everything that he has done. And we thanked God for everything that he has yet to do. Maybe if we did that, the self-centered society that we live in might look a little different. You see, much like the world, sometimes we find ourselves so preoccupied with ourselves that we are blinded to the very fact that God requires that we walk humbly with him. This text from Micah 6 Six through eight is not just some suggestion. It is a command to walk humbly with him, that we love justice, his justice, not our justice, and that we love kindness and show it to others. You see, that was the case when God delivered his indictment against Israel through Micah. Israel, just like us, was guilty as charged. But you see, unlike in a court, of law where our sentences can be suspended, only God can suspend our sentence. And here's the spoiler alert. He did that. He suspended our sentence through his son, Jesus Christ. God suspended your sentence. He suspended my sentence. He paid our fines. He paid the price. He served our sentence. So how can we not walk with God? How can we ignore his justice? How can we not be kind to those around us? See, these people of Israel, as I like to call them, the original self-centered and must-be-in-control, control-freak society, here they are offering these sacrifices in the hopes that God would leave them alone. Can we talk about how terrible those intentions are? Here is a ton of it. Here is a ton of sacrifices. God, leave us alone. I can't even imagine praying that. God, leave us alone. Now, I want to make this clear this morning. Sacrifices and other religious rituals have never, aren't now, and never will be enough. Because we serve a God who desires and wants changed lives through changed people who will take up their cross daily and follow him. God wants his people to be fair. Unlike you when back in elementary school picking that kickball or dodgeball team. Stacking the deck against your friends who you were playing with. I mean, I was always picked last so I wouldn't know. But you see, God wants his people to be just, doing what is good, doing good when others are doing what is wrong. God wants his people to be merciful. When I think of mercy, the best definition of mercy that I can think of is that mercy is the fulfillment of God's love and justice. God wants his people to be humble. There's a concept for 2022. Without raising hands, has anyone ever met a prideful or arrogant person before? Thank you all for keeping your hands down and not pointing any fingers. Much appreciated on that one. You see, prideful people 
are always telling you about themselves, their accomplishments, how smart and wonderful they are. As I like to say, they think they are God's gift to humanity. That Then they look at you to continue the conversation about them and affirm their magnificence. I mean, I think we can name some people in our lives that might be like that. But what is humility? And what makes humble people different? Humility is the absence of self in all that we think, do, and say. You know, when you encounter humility because you're irresistibly drawn to it. In our society today, when you encounter humility, you are awestruck by it. It stops you dead in your tracks because we don't see it that much anymore. People with the quality of humility are interested in everyone else. In conversations, they want to know about you. They're not looking for ways that you can be a blessing to them. They want to be a blessing to you. They want to look for ways to bless you. You see, because humility is the very opposite of pride and arrogance. In a disagreement, pride is concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right. Pride and arrogance are all about self. They are always looking down at everyone else. Humility looks up. A youth pastor friend of mine who's down in South Carolina shared this story with me one time, and I, I wanted to share it with you. He said one Saturday night, him and a friend stopped at a local a restaurant. It was for South Carolina. If you've never heard of Bojangles before, they were at a Bojangles down in South Carolina. And their waiter was a very tall gentleman, and he had a South African accent. And my friend Matt watched him as he hurried between tables, working hard to serve the many customers in his area that night. Because if you haven't been to a restaurant lately, everywhere is short-staffed now. But he said there was a refined quality about him as he spoke. And he, he, my friend said, Stephen, I wondered how this gentle, intelligent man had ended up at Bojangles in South Carolina. He asked him what kind of work he had done previously when he was in South Africa. And he replied that he had run several large companies and it was clear that he had been in an executive management position. And my friend said, then what are you doing again at Bojangles in South Carolina? He said, I now have the privilege of serving others. And with that, he put the check on the table and walked off to assist other people. That's an example of humility, practically right in front of us. How much nicer would our world be if there were no prideful and arrogant people. If everyone were concerned with others instead of themselves. If all the prideful people suddenly realized the uselessness of talking about themselves. I mean, if you really think about it practically, 
why talk about yourself anyway? As soon as you leave the room, there's plenty of people willing to do it for you. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest quotes about this ever. He said, what kills a skunk is the publicity it gives itself. Leave it to honest Abe to come up with a quote like that. You see, there was a moderator of a Presbyterian church in Melbourne, Australia, and the MC or whoever was introducing him, J. Hudson Taylor was there to do a, a message, and the, the person gave him this flattering, huge introduction. And J. Hudson Taylor, who was the founder of China Inland Mission, he stepped to the pulpit and quietly said, Dear friends, I am a little servant of an illustrious master. And the late A.W. Tozer once was presented to a congregation in a similar manner. And his response was this. All I can say is, dear God, forgive him for what he said and forgive me for enjoying it so much. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, Perfect. So what does God want his people to be? Ah, yes. Living sacrifices. God does not simply want us to go out and do some religious deeds, but he wants us to live a life that is completely and totally transformed by him. Jeremiah 4, 4. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, surrender your pride and power. Change your hearts before the Lord, or my anger will burn like an unquenchable fire because of all your sins. Hebrews 9, 14. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. You see, when we follow God, on a consistent basis versus a convenient basis, that's when he pours his transforming love and power into our hearts. People have tried all sorts and kinds of ways to please God, but God has made his requirements clear. And it's from our text, to do what is just and right, to love mercy and walk humbly with him. You see, the Western meaning of humility derives from the usage of the Hebrew-speaking Jews, Latin-speaking Romans, and the Greeks, in particular, Greek-speaking Christians of the first century. In all three languages, the word used to describe humility means low, as in low to the ground. The Hebrew, anawa, the Greek, Tapinos, and they Latin, humilitas. So the root of humility, right there in the Latin word. 
Now used negatively, these terms mean to be put low, to be put down, or to be humiliated. But that's not what we're talking about. Positively, they mean to lower yourself or to be humble. These two uses, they're radically different. One is the awful experience of being conquered or shamed. And this was the dominant use of that term in ancient times. The other is the noble choice to redirect your power in service of others. This became the dominant usage only late in Rome, the 2nd to 5th centuries. You see, the term humility is defined as follows. Humility is the noble choice to forgo your status, to deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of other people before yourself. More simply... You could say the humble person is marked by a willingness to hold power in service of others. In your efforts to please God, we got to examine these areas on a regular basis. Because the question we have to ask ourselves on a daily basis is, am I walking in humility? Am I a fair person? Do people like dealing with me? Do people like talking to me? Do people like working with me? Do you show mercy to those people who do wrong to you? Or are you a perfect person and you don't need to worry about that? You're also going to teach a class after church today, if that is you. So we'll have a little break. No, just, I don't think we're going to have anybody at part of that seminar. Do you keep your ego from taking over your thoughts and actions? Are you living in a way that reflects a deep and growing relationship with God. William Carey, who is often referred to as the father of the modern missionary movement, he was a brilliant man, but he came from a very humble beginning. In his early manhood, he worked as a cobbler, a shoe repairman. At a dinner party one evening, a man said to him, I understand, Mr. Carey, that you once worked as a shoemaker. Oh no, Carrie replied. I was not a shoemaker, only a shoe repairman. You see, humility is an essential attitude for success in the spiritual life. Any self-conceit when nurtured by superior intelligence, wealth, a high position, praise of other people, is an obstacle along the way. Genuine humility is not posturing. It requires a constant willingness to deny oneself, to be critical of oneself, and to be open to heaven's guidance, even when it, dis it uh, differs from our own preconceived concepts. You know, I remember as a teenager growing up in the home of two teachers, all I wanted to do was be a teacher. I wanted to be a history teacher. I loved history, social studies of any kind. Because if you know me for long enough, you know that uh, teaching math was not near the top of my list. I don't math. My wife maths, so. <laughs> 
My dad asked me, he said, what type of level of education do, do you want to teach in? And I said, I had no idea, Dad. I just want to be a teacher. Now, looking back, I, I saw myself as somebody that others would look up to, which is not a good reason to do anything in life. So much for the detailed thinking of a young teenage boy. But I remember my father gave me two pieces of information and both have proven themselves to be great and true worth, of great and true worth. He said, Stephen, a great man is always willing to live in the shadows of his success. Then he followed that up with the most difficult secret for a person to keep is the opinion they have of themselves. Have you ever thought about the difference between humility and humiliation? There is a significant difference. Humility is being very, very humble, pointing others to Christ. Humiliation is what's going to happen to the New York Yankees in the first round of the playoffs this fall. There's a significant difference. Humility is the voluntary and willful choice to accept one's place and position. Humiliation is the forcing of an unwilling participant into that place or position. For the believer, this carries great significance. Are we willing to submit to Christ and the place and position of his kingdom that he chooses? Humility. Or are we constantly striving for our own desire only to be humiliated by the Holy Spirit as God's will and purpose will not be foiled? The basic concept from scripture has always been honor God and God will bless you. Following him closely. Again, let's reread our text from this morning. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. If you remember it, say it with me. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this reminder from your word this morning to this charge to, to walk humbly with you. Father, I pray that as we go throughout our week and our days, as we dig into your word, that we would be reminded of what that looks like and how you want us to live. May we remember how you want us, how you have called us to live. And we ask this all in your name. Amen.